It is a thrill to be back in the pulpit this morning. I don't know if you understand how much I appreciate this good congregation. It's always a privilege to go somewhere else and to preach the gospel, but there's nothing like coming home and being able to preach the gospel here. This morning, I would like to, before we begin our lesson, to mention something to you. Brother Allen mentioned that in five weeks we will have our Friends and Family Day. We've been having this uh, every other year, and two years ago we set a record for attendance here. We did not announce it in the paper. We did not send flyers to our sister congregations. What we did, each of us took one of these postcards. At that time it was a little different color, but uh, we asked you to take five cards and send them to five of your friends and family and to be sure that you encourage them, invite them to be with us that day. We're not just wanting to be able to have a large number. We're wanting to be able to reach the hearts of men and women and boys and girls, people who perhaps are not going to church anywhere, people who maybe have gotten involved into a human organization, and to be able to, on that day, preach the truth and to be able to reach them. There are several cards here on the pulpit, and there are several that are on the table in the foyer. There's plenty for everyone to have five or more so that we can be able to invite our family and our friends. This morning, if you'll keep your Bibles open there to Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 17. I want to begin with two questions before I actually start our introduction. Number one, are you emotionally engaged in our worship this morning? When I say emotionally engaged, I mean, are you personally, do you have a feeling, do you have a desire to be here and to worship God? Are you interested? in the things that we will be studying in the next few minutes. Question number two. Are you intellectually engaged in our study and in our worship? Are you using your mind? Are you thinking? Are you taking the things that are being said, the songs that we sing, the prayers that we pray, and are you mentally processing those to understand, if you did a few moments ago, both your emotions and your intellect should have been stirred by singing the song, Hallelujah, What a Savior. As we approach this section of the book of Ephesians, does it matter what you think? As I go to the Old Testament, to Proverbs 23, verse 7, Solomon says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Let me tell you that if you are emotionally engaged in this worship, if you are intellectually engaged in this worship, you will derive some benefit from it. 
If you are not emotionally or intellectually engaged, you will walk away and say, I didn't get anything out of church today. In Proverbs 4, verse 23, Solomon says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Have you ever changed your thinking on a matter? I dare say all of us have. Have you repeated the phrase, If I knew then what I know now? If you knew then what you know now, would you have studied harder in school? If you knew then what you know now, would you have made some of the bad investments that you have made in life financially? If you knew then what you know now, would some of you do a much better job of bringing your children to the services of the church and not only be here for worship, but be here for Bible classes, be participating in every activity. Some of you may look back now and say, I can't do that now. But if you knew then what you know now, would you do things differently? I would say that most of us can have several things in our lives that we would have done differently. Your mind matters. Proverbs 9 and verse 9, Solomon says, Give instruction to a wise man, and he will still be wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. If you are intellectually and emotionally engaged this morning, you will grow and mature. This lesson is about the maturing of the mind. We're going to look at verses 17 through 32 of Ephesians 4. We're going to look at three basic ideas. First of all is the corrupted mind in verses 17 through 19 and also verse 22. We will look at the Christ-like mind beginning with verse 20 going through verse 24. And then we will look at the changed mind in verses 25 through 32. Let's begin because we have a lot to cover and just a short amount of time to cover it in. Therefore I say, or this I say therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. And dropping down to verse 22, that you put off concerning your former conduct that old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. That you no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles. Folks, open your eyes this morning. Look around you in this world and what do you see? You see the world and all of the pathways that it is following running fast away from God. You look around you and your neighbors, they drink, they lie, they cheat. 
They do all these things which are contrary to the will of God. And he says here that you no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles. The Gentiles are the nations. These are the worldly people. Ephesians 5, 7 and 8 says, Therefore do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Live differently. Stand out in the crowd. Colossians 3, 6 and 7. Because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. You used to be where they are. You're not there now. In fact, this is the key point. That's your former life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse 9, going through verse 11, Paul enumerates a number of things, among them things like homosexuality and adultery and fornication and uncleanness. And he says to them, And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. He's saying that's who you used to be. That's not who you are now. Being a Christian is to not be of that mindset. You've got a different worldview. He talks about in the futility of their mind. If you're reading the original King James or the American Standard, you will see the word vanity there. The word futility comes from a word which means the state of being without use or value, worthless. The minds of these people are literally worthless. In fact, if you will notice with me, Romans 6 and verse 21, Paul says, What fruit... Did you have in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. You look at your past life. Where did those things lead? What did it bring you? He said it brought death. Through the futility of their mind, the way they think. And then he begins to describe this corrupt mind. I think about a corrupt mind by what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 3. He said, But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Paul was afraid that somebody would come in and literally corrupt them. The world is already corrupted. I want you to listen to the descriptive phrases that Paul will use. He says, having their understanding darkened. In trying to explain each of these, I tried my best to give the original words definition, but also to make it plain. These are spiritual dimwits. That may be a little too plain for some of you, but that's reality. You know what the word dim means, don't you? Their wits is their minds. Understanding is darkened. That's what they are. They cannot see. In fact, he goes on to say they are alienated from life in God. That's why I said the world is running as fast and as hard as it can away from God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 21. And you were once alienated and enemies 
in your minds by wicked works. Yet now he has reconciled. Paul's trying to get them to see who they used to be. And then he goes on to say, because of the ignorances in them. Do you know why ignorance exists? One reason why ignorance exists is because no one has taught us. When you're a small child, there are many things that you are ignorant of. It's not your fault. You hadn't learned yet. There are other things that we are ignorant of through our own wish not to know them. Jesus talked about their ears they have closed, or their their ears they have shut up and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts. Some people don't want to know the truth. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. Don't live like that, folks. And then he talks about the blindness of their heart. And again, blindness can occur because someone has had a physical malady in life. They've maybe perhaps had a disease. I had a grandfather that went blind due to glaucoma. The daily darkening of the eyes to the point where he could no longer see at all. But do you realize some people are blind because of something that is put in front of them? People put blinders on horses so they won't see to the side. In the book of 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine upon them. Why are people so blinded to the truth today? Because the devil holds out the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The devil is out there trying to persuade you and I to look at pleasure, to look at possessions, to look at prominence and power. And people's minds are blinded to the truth. Who being past feeling, there are people who are on these television shows and movies who will use the Lord's name in vain. They will cuss, is the way we call it in Alabama. And they don't think a thing about it. There's no shame in it anymore. People will do things and their consciences no longer bother them. Why? Because they're past feeling. They've done it so long it seems to be natural to them. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 2, he says, Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared as with a hot iron. You see, these people have allowed sin to dwell in them so long it no longer appears to be important to them. And then he says they have given themselves over to lewdness. The word lewdness is translated lasciviousness in older translations. It literally means a dirty sensuality. 
Sensuality between a husband and wife is fine. Sensuality between anyone else is dirty and it is unclean. And he says they've given themselves over to greediness, which is covetousness. You see the corrupted mind? Well, now, in contrast to that, he begins in verse 20 and going through verse 24 and says, But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct that old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man that was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You have not so learned Christ. Learning involves your mind. If you learned Christ, you learned Him because you heard Him through His Word. Listen to John six forty-five. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Teachers, you can do the very best job you want to do in your classroom, but if the students won't listen, they can't learn. If you do not have the engagement of the emotions, that's the will, the desire, and you do not have the engagement of the intellect, that is the ability to learn, you will not mature, you will not progress. That happens in a scholastic sense in schools, and it happens in church too, folks. He said that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. To have a new mind, a new perception, a new outlook. How many people in this world just look at things from a worldly perspective? Does it make sense to go to church, to give money, to give of your time, to be evangelistic? Well, if you're only thinking worldly terms, it does not make sense. But if you think in spiritual terms, that's so important. Paul said in Romans 12, 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What results is a new man created according to God, that is, in his likeness, I like the way Paul put it to the Colossians in chapter 3, verse 10. And it put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. The more we know about God, the more we become like him. And then he says, in true righteousness and holiness. True righteousness. Remember Matthew 5, verse 20. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, all the people there are gathered before him. They're sitting and listening as he delivers this powerful sermon. And he says, I say unto you, except your righteousness exceeds that of the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. 
Folks, it's got to be more than just a pretend or play-like righteousness. It's got to be from the heart. You've got to have your emotions engaged. What this results in is a changed mind. That is, if I knew then what I know now, then I wouldn't do things the same way. Let me ask you, how many of you have bought something that you wish you hadn't bought? How many of you have ever gone somewhere where you wished you hadn't gone? How many of you have ever invested in something you wished you hadn't invested in? Okay, now today the same opportunity presents itself to you. Are you going to do the same thing all over again? Well, no. That'd be stupid. That wouldn't make sense. Oh, you're going to change the way you act now. You're going to change your action. Yes. Let's look at verses 25 through 32. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place for the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who is in need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Sorry, verse 32 didn't end up on there. The one who has abandoned the corrupt mind in favor of a Christ-like mind will see real changes in his life. That's the reason why, wherefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Folks, when you become a Christian, you've got a changed mind. Changed minds result in changed actions. No longer do you lie to people. You tell the truth. Christians... Tell the truth all the time. Zechariah 8 verse 16, These are the things you shall do. Speak each man truth with his neighbor. Give judgment in your gates for truth, justice, and peace. That's where that came from there in Ephesians chapter 4.25. That's what God wants you to do. Being a Christian means honesty, means integrity. Anger that is not sinful. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Do you understand there are times for us to be angry and there are times for us not to be angry? There are things about which we should be angry and there are things about which we should not be angry. Let me illustrate this to you. Some of you have heard over the past few weeks that those of us who do not believe that homosexual marriage is right are hate mongers. 
that we're bigots. Nothing could be further from the truth. See, the truth is, we really love the souls of those people enough to tell them the truth. Would you want to get to the day of judgment and someone not tell you the truth and you lose your soul because they wouldn't tell you? That's your real friend. I can be angry at the sin and still love the sinner. It's not always easy. You see, our problem is, is too often we're not communicating the truth accurately. Because we have let anger get in. You know, in James 1, 19, 20 says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Now listen carefully to verse, 9, or verse 20. For the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. My own personal anger and wrath, that's not any good at all. Labor versus stealing. It's let a man labor with his hands so that he can give to him who has it. Let him stole who steal no longer. I know that all of you know the reality of this life. We have people who call the church building here practically every day who will not work. They can work, but they will not work. And they attempt to try to defraud not only our government, but the church for funds to be able to promote their lifestyle. And there are some people who are legitimately in need. What does God want us to do? What does a changed life say? The changed life says this. I'm not going to steal from anybody, whether it's by means of a welfare check or whether it's by means of defrauding someone else. I'm going to get out and I'm going to work. Why am I going to work? To provide for my family, to provide for my needs, and then so I can have some that I can help those people who really are in need. Listen to what Paul said to those Ephesian elders. He said, and I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. You give to people who really need it, you will enjoy the blessing therefrom. Edifying speech versus corrupt speech. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Is he talking about bad language? Possibly. But I don't think that's the primary focus in this passage. I think what he's talking about in corrupt speech here is things that tear people down. Could be gossip. Could be backbiting. Could be evil speaking of our neighbors. He said, you don't do that. He said, you have speech that's good for edifying, good for building up. Matthew 12, 34, Jesus said, Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You think your mind matters? 
Most certainly it does. Pleasing God versus grieving the Spirit. When God looks down today and He looks into the audience here and He looks into the hearts of each and every one, there are going to be some people about whom God will metaphorically smile. Oh, that child of mine that child's learning, that child's growing. And there's got to be some that as God looks down, said those, those people, their hearts are hard. They don't care. They're not growing. There's no change in their lives. And that grieves. That grieves God through the Spirit. Kind, forgiving versus bitterness, resentment, and malice. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just take all the burdens off? All the, the malice, the ill will, the resentment that we have toward people lay that aside and say I want to treat people like I want to be treated myself. To change one's behavior requires a change of mind. And when one has a change of mind that results in a change of action. And the Bible calls that repentance. There's also a maturing process where one becomes more like God. If you'll take your songbook out, we're going to sing this song of encouragement. Perhaps you're one of those in the audience this morning whose mind and heart has been thinking, I need to be a Christian. I want to tell you there's at least from my perspective, there's not anything I would love more than to see a young man, a young woman, an old man or an old woman walk down the aisle and say, I want to become a Christian. You do that by faith in Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith, and being baptized. We'll help you do that this morning. It may be that you look at your life and you see that there's sin there that's got to be taken care of. And the only time that you can do it and know that you're going to accomplish it and do what you need to do is this morning. We don't have this afternoon that tonight guaranteed. Maybe here, may not. You don't know whether your heart will be engaged then or not. Folks, if you need to respond, would you come as we stand inside?